are here this morning to worship our God who is so great. And we, He is the audience this morning. We want everything to bring honor and glory to Him. Amen. Let's stand together if you would. Turn to page number eight. He is a faithful God. Great is thy faithfulness. Page number eight. Let's sing all three verses as we begin together this morning. Sing out together. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. faithful God. Amen. And uh, so thankful for that. Glad uh, that you are here this morning. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we need that same faithful God to meet with us today. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Jim Wisdom if you would pray for us this morning, brother.
Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? Did just have a few quick announcements I uh, wanted uh, to make. Of course, tonight, uh, Brother Tim Quinlan, our youth director, uh, is going to be preaching uh, tonight again. He's been going through uh, the book of Second Peter, and if you haven't been here for that, I would encourage you to be here. Amen. It's been a blessing. And so uh, do pray for us as we'll be traveling uh, tonight and flying out to uh, Phoenix, Arizona uh, to the GIBF meeting. And this is what makes me mad is that after the service tonight is a teen activity and they're having a restaurant takeover at Whataburger. So I'm praying that our youth director gets his heart right with God before he preaches. No, I'm just kidding you. I know it'll be a blessing. Also wanted to mention this too, if you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about there's no school uh, tomorrow uh, in light of President's Day, so make sure that you are aware of that. And then, of course, Brother Eric Watson, our assistant pastor, is going to be preaching Wednesday night uh, in the main service as we'll be getting back into town uh, Thursday uh, evening. And then, of course, don't forget about the Meerhoff and Needfelt wedding, uh, and that is this coming uh, Saturday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they are registered at uh, Amazon uh, and so if you would like uh, to be a blessing to them, don't forget about uh, that. So uh, those are some things coming up. Make sure that you're aware of that. Of course, a busy uh, week here. All right, this time our choir has a special entitled God uh, With.
Aren't you thankful that all things are possible with our God? Let's stand together again. Turn to page number 656 this morning. 656, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Let's sing it out on the first. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Let's get around and shake hands together this morning. Good to have each one of you here. Glad for those that are visiting back with us today. We're glad you're here today.
I won't have long to stay, my work is nearly done. I'm happy now to say, my race is almost run. So long my eyes have set on heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just up in glory land we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their song of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. If you're saved this morning, you have a whole lot more to look forward to, don't you? Amen. Praise the Lord. Brother Tim, come ahead. As the men come for the offering, I'd like to read from Philippians chapter 4. He says in verse 15, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Brother Will Kennedy, would you pray for the offering this morning? Amen. You may be seated. stand with me one last time this morning. Let's turn to page 323 for our last song together. Page 323, the old account was settled long ago. Let's sing it out on the first. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. 
And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. The old account was large and growing every day, for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle. I settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. When at the judgment bar I stand before my king, and he the book will open, he cannot find the thing. Then will my heart be glad, while tears of joy will flow, because I had it settled. I settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. When in that happy home, my Savior's home above, I'll sing redemption's story and praise him for his love. I'll not forget that book with pages white as snow, because I had it settled. I settled long ago, long ago long ago yes the old account was settled long ago and the record's clear today for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago oh sinner seek the lord repent of all your sin for thus he has commanded if you would enter in and then if you should live a hundred years below up there you'll not regret it you settled long ago long ago long ago yes the old account was settled long ago and the record's clear today for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago if you know he's washed your sins away say amen this morning Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Great singing this morning. When I think of all my faults, and my failures when I consider all the times I've let God down I am humbled by the grace he has extended I'm amazed at the mercy I have found I could never earn his love on my own Yet every time I come before his throne I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb I stand redeemed before the great I Am 
When he looks at me, he sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Even at my best, I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken life is all I have to offer. And yet, it is a priceless gift to Him. The bitter mark of sin will never fade away. But I can come before Him unashamed. I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I Am. When He looks at me, He sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed, oh, I stand redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I stand redeemed before the great I Am. And when He looks at me, He sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. I stand redeemed. I stand redeemed. Aren't you glad to be redeemed this morning? Somebody say amen. What a blessing the song service has been this morning. Amen. Awesome stuff. What a, what a blessing. Well, I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke and, and chapter number four. Don't uh, stand just uh, yet. Do want to just kind of catch us uh, up to speed. We have been uh, going through the Gospel in our Sunday morning uh, services and of course, we have seen the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ, which kind of really, if I can say it like this, it, it starts His earthly ministry as really it kind of does us after salvation. It starts our Christian life, doesn't it? And then, of course, we know this, that as soon as you start something, the devil's going to be right there to oppose it. And that's where the temptation of Christ takes place at the beginning of chapter number four. But then we also saw this. That last week, we, we saw where the Lord Jesus, He began to go about uh, the area of Galilee, which is His home region. But then He goes to His hometown of Nazareth. And, and as He presented Himself as the Messiah, we, we also found this where, well, it kind of happens like that, that for us, is that when we go back to our family, we tell them what God has done in our lives that, well... We, we find out how true it is the prophet has no regard in his own home or no regard in his own country. That's exactly what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ as they rejected him in their pride. They falsely accused him by saying this, Physician, heal thyself, when the reality is the great physician was there 
to heal them and help them in their spiritual life. And so, but, but here's what we're going to see this morning. Now Jesus goes to Capernaum, another area in Galilee. And what happens at this point is this. He gets a far different welcome. All right, so let's take our Bibles. You're there in Luke chapter 4. Let's stand in honor of God's Word as you're able to stand. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 31. Now, before we even get started this morning, let me just go ahead and say this. I want to make a deal with you. All right, we're not gambling. Calm down. All right, but this is what God's been doing in my heart all morning long. And really, I've kind of struggled with, there's a tremendous amount here. All right, so if you will pay attention, say amen, enjoy the message, don't fall asleep. We'll have part one. All right, but if I go to part two, you'll know somebody blew it. All right, and I might call them out, amen, and you can blame them later, not me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just... But, but here, I do want to read all of this because I want you to see this. This is so, this is so incredible. Look at verse number 31, it says, and so, and, and of course, if you tie it in with verse 30, it says, he passing through the midst of them went on his way. Remember, they were about to throw him off the cliff, and the only miracle they got in Nazareth was they couldn't throw him off the cliff. He walked right through the middle of them. Look at verse 31, and came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath day. So again, he goes in there, taught, teaches on the Sabbath day, and they were astonished at his doctrine. Now watch this right here. For his word was with power. Okay? Now when you sit down, you ought to underline that phrase right there because this is going to set the tone for the rest of the, his ministry in, in Capernaum and that what we're going to look at for the next couple of messages, maybe. The next couple of maybe. Look at verse 33. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. And cried with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now catch this. I know who thou art, Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth wouldn't acknowledge it. But the devil knows who he is. And what a shame when men don't acknowledge it in our day and time. Well, that'll preach right there. So notice in verse 34, so again he says, saying, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, shut up. In the Greek, that's no. I'm just. It's, he, does, he says, "Hold thy peace." You know what that means, though. In the Greek, that means shut up. Just all right. Calm down. Hold thy peace. That's a better way to say it, moms. We know this. And come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, "Watch this. What a word is this." What a word is this. For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits. And they come out of him. And they come out. And the fame of him went out of the, every place of the country round about. 
And he arose out of the synagogue. Listen, just as it's good in the synagogue, it's going to be good in Simon's house. And he entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. So that means Simon wasn't a pope. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. That means he spoke to the fever. And it left her and immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when the sun was setting, they all had any sick with diverse diseases, brought them unto him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. The devils came out crying out, saying, Thou art, the, uh, thou art Christ, the Son of God. Again, the devil acknowledging that he is the Savior. All right, and, then, and, and after he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, he's telling them, shut up again. And look at verse 42. And when it was day, he came and departed. Uh, he departed and went into a desert place. So he flew to Arizona. <laughs> Sorry. I, the people besought, besought him and came unto him and staying, stayed him and he, and, and that he should not depart from them. They didn't want him to leave. That's how we ought to be. I don't, we don't want him to leave. But he said, and he said unto them, he must preach the kingdom of God in other cities. Preach. In verse 44, and he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Do you notice preach, rebuke? What a word is this? All the emphasis on the word of God. The power of the word of Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to look at this morning. What a word is this? You know, well, this is what I would say to you, is that maybe if we'd open up our hearts like they did in Capernaum, and we let the Word of God do a work in us, we could step back and say, what a word is, is this? Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name? Amen. Won't you be seated this morning? Sure thankful. It's the way the Lord just leads. That is so, so, well, such a blessing. You ever thought about something and then walked out of the room to go do it and then forgot what you were doing? <clears throat> oh man, I didn't get any water. Alright. They were all focused on the teen activity, I guess. Where's our security at? Amen. I've done that quite a few times and what I have to do is I have to... I have to go back into the room and figure out what I was, you know, what I was trying to, why I went out of the room to begin with. And what I found is this, is that the older that I get, the less times I walk back into the room and I'm able to remember what I was doing. And then it just comes to me like three weeks uh, later. And I, you know, and I've even done this where I've gone something, I've gone somewhere to, I've gone somewhere to buy a specific thing like Walmart or Academy or whatever. And I've gone in there. And, and gone in there to get one specific thing because that's how men shop. We're hunters. We're not gatherers. But then what happens is, especially if you go into a place like Academy, where you got to kind of look at the fishing stuff and the hunting stuff and then the golf stuff and the, you know, and so next thing, and then what happens is you forgot about you, getting the main thing that you came in there for. You got a bunch of other stuff and you go out. Then you realize, oh, I came here to get this and you got to go back in and get it. The other thing that I've done is this, is I've gone somewhere to do something and the main thing that I needed to accomplish it, I forgot. I can remember one time Emily and I going to McDonald's and I say, and I include Emily because that's the only reason why I would go to McDonald's is because she wanted McDonald's and I've gone through the drive-thru and made our order and then got to the window and pulled out my wallet and then all of a sudden it dawns on me that my kids had my debit card. 
And I'm very thankful. The one time that I did it, I went, oh no, and the lady had already handed me the food and I couldn't pay. And I said, wait a minute, do you take Apple Pay? And I had, I had it on my phone and I was able to pay for it. And she said, it's a good thing you had that because my husband's a cop and I'd have had to come, call him to come and get you. And I went, yeah, it's a good thing. Because I'd hate to go to jail for McDonald's. Other things I'd be willing to go to jail for, but McDonald's is not one of them. Well, what I'm trying to get across to you though is this, is that when you think about doing something and not having the main thing to do it, the reality is this, that's exactly what churches all over America are trying to do today. They are trying to accomplish ministry, but please listen to this, you cannot accomplish ministry without the main thing, which is the Word of God. And the sad part is this, is that on one side of the road you have those in the ditch with their ritualism and their vain traditions of men, but in response to that you have those that are completely moving all the way across the road and they're falling into another ditch which is the ditch of entertainment. And what men, men, listen, men, men don't need entertainment today. The reality is this, we need to get back to the power of God. Listen, not trying to manufacture it up with the works of men, but getting back to men getting filled with the Spirit of God and then preaching the Word of God with boldness and power and authority because that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did in His ministry. And that's really what we have in accomplish of that's taking place in our text. I really, I like verses 31 and 32, and I want you to, I want you to just look here with me. So, so it, it just kind of moves right into this sentence here after Nazareth in verse number 30, and him passing through the midst of them, he went his way, and then in verse 31, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was, was with power. And this is some things that I thought about is that as Jesus transitions his ministry from the city of Nazareth and into Capernaum, one of the things that he immediately shows us this, he gives us this lesson that, that we need to learn to shake the dust off our feet and move on at times. The reality is this, some ground is hard. But that doesn't mean that we should stop uh, casting the seed and spreading the seed, which is the Word of God, as he's going to later on relate in a parable. Listen, some people's hearts, even in our day and time, they are as hard as those in Nazareth. They're not willing to acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, yet the devil is. And, and they're hard, and, and, and they're prideful, and... And when you begin to talk with them about the gospel, they begin to be defensive and they shift the, the blame like they were doing Jesus and falsely uh, accusing him of, of being a hypocrite. And, and so the idea here is to say this, listen, if that happens to us, child of God, that, that's fine. That's, that's what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it happened to him, it's going to happen to us. And, and so the idea is this, to shake the dust off our feet but don't stop witnessing to others, and here's why. Because you might find that the soft ground is right around the corner as Jesus does in his ministry. And, and if you stop sowing the seed, you're going to miss out on the fruit that's in the good ground. Such a blessing. Do you know this? I've even seen what Jesus is doing right here. I have, actually, I have literally seen church planners and missionaries do. We have some dear friends that are uh, missionaries 
uh, in Western Australia. And I, I remember when God had called them to Australia and they took a survey trip and they went into this one area and they came back and they, they said the name of the area where they're going to go to. And, and man, so we, we were all praying for the area. I remember the name of it. I can tell you the name of it right now. And where they were going and where God had wanted them to go. And uh, at least they, you know, they were thinking. And, and so they went over there. They spent some time with another uh, friend, a missionary friend of ours. And then they went out of that church and they began to start doing this work in the area where they had been praying about, people had been praying about for years, we had been praying about uh, for years. And what happened was this, they found out the ground was very hard. And people were ejecting it and people were ejecting it. But then all of a sudden, some people from this next city over, they come over and they, they start hearing, the, they get saved and they start coming to church and then they start bringing people from that next and bringing people that. You know what they did? They left where they were at and they went over there and man, they just kept sowing and kept sowing and kept sowing and started seeing more people get saved and more people get saved and a church being planted in the name of God. And God doing a, a work right there. What a blessing that is. But, but, but the idea is this. And here's, so here's the point. You may need to change where you are ministering or who you are ministering to. But you don't need to change how you're ministering. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ does in our text. Look at verses 31 and 32 again. It says, He came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Same thing. Same thing He did in Nazareth and, and went into the synagogue. And they were astonished at His doctrine, for His Word was with power. Now please, look, look up here, look, look. Jesus, after being rejected in Nazareth, didn't go, you know, this isn't working. I'm fixing to go into Capernaum, so what I'm going to do is, I'm going to write a letter to Capernaum. And I'm going to send it to everybody in Capernaum and go, okay, I'm coming to your city next, but what do you want in a church? You know, there's, I got a book that's turned around backwards in my library called The Purpose Driven Church, and that's exactly what the heretic Rick Warren says for church planners to do. Write a church to a bunch of lost people and ask them what, no, you know what they need? They need the power of the Word. You understand what I'm saying? It's turned around backwards in my library because it's a wicked book. Because it's not biblical. No, 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 no. He didn't do that. He went there and did what he had previously done in other areas in Galilee and even in Nazareth. And here's why. Listen to this. The problem wasn't him. The problem was the hearts of the people. Jesus didn't change his doctrine. Jesus didn't go, well, maybe my style of preaching is a little too much. Maybe I need to lighten it up and tell a few more jokes and become more positive. Get some pretty hair. <laughs> and no, Jesus didn't have long hair and pale skin. He was a Jew. Don't, don't get me started on that. No, no, no. He didn't do... You know, he, he still gave it with a power and authority. The difference here was that the people received it, and because they received it, listen to this, it had great power to do great things. That's the difference. Do you ever think about this? Do you ever think about this? And I was thinking about this as I was going through this. You do know that, okay, so the writer of the Gospel of Luke is obviously Luke. 
The writer of the book of Acts is also the human writer. We understand the Spirit of God is ultimately the author of God, but the human writer of the book of Acts is also Luke. So that means that Luke was on the missionary journeys with the Apostle Paul for most of them. And so you got to think about this. You, you ever think about, you know, Luke is watching the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul, you know, he, he would go into the synagogues and go, you know, guys, really, we need to change this up and you need to paint the walls black. And we need to get, we need to find some guys that are good on the guitar and the drums. Hello? Paul didn't do that. Paul went in there and preached the word of God with power and boldness and gave the gospel and saw people get saved and people get right with God. And now, so Luke is recording all of this and now he's writing the gospel and you gotta be thinking that Luke's going, ha, now I know why Paul did what he did. Because that's what Jesus did. Isn't that amazing? So, so you understand, you, you understand, friend, listen, what I'm trying to get across to you this morning is this is that if we're going to be a, both a church corporately and a people individually that has God's power on our lives, then we must also, then we must also place great emphasis on the Word of God in our lives. Because the power of God and the Word of God are linked together. And you cannot have one without the other. I mean, listen, you, you heard it in the choir song today. That's why I crossed out two pages in my notes and said we're going to jump around and move around. But you, this is why you, you heard in the choir song today, when God spoke and created the world. Created this, that's the power of the Word. And this is what I was thinking about. And eventually, uh, Brother Tim's going to get to this in 2 Peter chapter 1, where Peter's going to talk about uh, him and, and James and John and they're all on the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and, even, and I read about this in my Bible reading this week in the Gospel of Luke. And they all see the Lord Jesus transformed in, into power and glory. And this is Peter, bless his heart. He gets up and he goes, Lord, it is good for us to be here. <laughs> and he goes, you know what? We should, build, we should build three booths. One for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He's talking about building tents. Yeah, why? So people can come up there and worship a tent. Idolatry. But this is what, listen, this is when God sounds from heaven and says, this is my beloved son. Watch this. And he says, hear ye him. Amen. You know what he's saying? He's saying what man, what man needs... What man needs is, is not more booze and tents and idolatrous places to worship Him. What man needs is the Word. Because that's where the power of God is at. And what I'm, listen, and what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that, that that's, that's what we need. And, and folks, here, here's what I know. And I, and I think we would all relate to this and, and understand this, that the direction of Christianity in America today, it is. It's either, it, it, listen, there, there's the ritualism and the vain traditions of men, but then they respond to that and they go completely to the other side of that and they begin to entertain men. And what I'm saying to you is this, is that neither one of those are right. And what you and I need is the biblical preaching of God's Word because that's where the power of God is at. But the difference is this, is that we've got to open up our hearts and let the Word of God get in there. 
and watch what it does. And then, listen, and this is what I know. We can sit in here, and, and, and I praise God for the stand of Faith Baptist Church. We, we, this is not anything new under the sun for you and me. And, and so I praise God for the stand of Faith Baptist Church and that we would understand that this is truth, this is what we do, this is why we do what we do, this is why everything is centered around the preaching of the Word of God in our services. Why? Because that's where the power of God is at. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that it's real easy for you and me to sit in here and point the finger out there at everything that's wrong out there, but yet we're sitting in here where the Word of God is preached, and yet we're going, wait a minute, I feel powerless. And I want you to listen to this. The problem's not the Word. The problem is whether or not we're going to open up ourselves to it and let it do a work in us. And I, I'm telling you, that's exactly the example that we give of the that we get from the Lord Jesus Christ here in in this scene. Look look at verse number thirty three. So here he is in the synagogue in verse number thirty three. So, so verses thirty one and thirty two they they capture if you will the transition into Capernaum and that Jesus doesn't change anything. It's just a different city and that these people are going to open up their hearts. And then in verse thirty three it begins to give this situation and in the synagogue. There was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they come out, and the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. So in this first section right here, and this again, this is where we're just going to focus at this morning, as Jesus is in his public ministry. So this is public. He's in, he's in the synagogue here and, and preaching. A demon-possessed man cries out, with, with a loud voice and basically interrupts the service. That's what the devil does. Wants to distract. Wants, wants to interrupt. You know, and I, I hate those times. I've had, I've, I've had those times happen. I remember I was uh, filling the pulpit for a guy one time. I was still uh, training for the ministry and I went and preached and, and uh, I'm up there preaching, and all of a sudden, this lady that had been visiting the church and had been causing some issues from time to time, she, she uh, you know, right in the middle of the service, started asking me questions, and I, and, and I answered, and I was kind of trying to be gracious and gracious and, and answered a couple of, but she, and then she just kept interrupting and kept interrupting, and I finally said, ma'am, you're going to have to shut up. I'm the one preaching. And she shut up. I said, Hold thy peace. I didn't say that. I said, shut up. Amen. I Anyways, so she shut up and everybody else in the church went, whew, glory. Somebody took care of that. Amen. Now, I am a little bit nicer now, but not much. But let me, let me so obviously here, there, there's some things we need to point out, deal with here as, as you and I begin to look closer in this scene. Let me just point some things out to you and then we'll kind of look, look at some of this stuff. The, the first one is this. Notice that a demon-possessed man was in the synagogue. Did you think about that? 
You know what that means? That means this. It goes to show us that the devil frequents religious establishments. He no doubt could be in here. Knows what's going on. Here's what's taking place. Also note this. And again, this, to point this out, the demon doesn't say anything until Jesus preaches with boldness and power. Because he's totally content with ritualism. Because that's not going to help anybody. Is everybody getting this? See, see, when Jesus begins to preach with boldness, when he begins to preach with power, when he begins to receive glory from the people, that's when the devil speaks out to oppose the preaching. Listen, and it's just like the devil that when the real son of God's getting glory, he don't like it. And he wants to seal away what belongs to Jesus Christ. Look down at verse number 34 as well. He says this, he says this, let us alone. Do you notice that? He uses a plural pronoun. Now there's a lot of speculation here. Some have said, well, maybe this means that there was more than one demon in the man. That can no doubt be true because we're going to get to the maniac of Gadara and, and or we're going to get to, you know, we've seen places in Matthew's gospel where there was a legion, you know, in a, in a man. So, so we would understand that. But, and, and then there's some that say this, well, maybe that means there was more than one person in the synagogue that was demon-possessed. But here's what I would say to you is that I tend to think that when he says, let us alone, that he meant the demonic realm as a whole. Because Jesus doesn't just have power over one, he's got power over all. Maybe in fact, he also shows us, <laughs> I like this, he also shows us that the devil is not omniscient or all-knowing. He's not like our God. Somebody say Amen. Because he was very unaware of the time. He thought that Jesus had come to destroy them, which doesn't happen in his first coming. He comes to destroy the works of the devil. But in his second coming, <laughs> he's going to judge all of the demonic realm. And they are going to be cast into the lake of fire along with the Antichrist and the false prophet. Somebody say Amen. That's going to happen in his second coming. It is already mentioned, it is a shame that this demon acknowledges Jesus to be the Son of God when Nazareth could not. And it's a shame that men don't acknowledge it today, but mark it down, every knee's going to bow. And every tongue's going to confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But this is what I want us to catch. As you read this, and even commentators uh, about this scene, many ask the question, and rightly so, why, why does the demon-possessed man, why, why is he there? And I get it that there's opposition to the things of God, Jehovah God, the Word of God, all of that stuff. But I also believe this, that when this man had control, when the man had control, I believe he came to the synagogue looking for help. You ever think about that? And the problem was the ritualism of the synagogue wasn't going to help him. Because it's powerless. However, here comes Jesus Christ. And all he does is speak with his word. 
And it has all power with it to overcome spiritual darkness. And in verse 35, Jesus tells the demon to shut up and come out. And the man convulses, as it says there, and it talks about uh, tossing him, but it doesn't harm him. And it does come out. And it's no wonder everybody stands back in verse 36 is they probably knew some things about this man and that he was seeking help. But here comes Jesus and in one instant says, hold thy peace and come out. And he comes out and everybody goes, what a word is this? The priest, he just reads it and he's nervous about it, doesn't believe it, struggles with it, but this man preaches with boldness and authority. And the power of God's revealed over spiritual darkness. Whoa. All right, preacher, you got to deal with this whole demon possession thing. I knew you were going to ask that. Because I do, I do, though, I do think it needs to be addressed here to say some things like this. Don't make the mistake of thinking that demonic power like this is, was just only around during this time. That things like demonic possession, well, preacher, that's, that's just in the Bible. Those are stories. This is not real. This doesn't have to do with our day and time. Folks, that couldn't be further from the truth. You and I need to be aware of some things about our enemy, the devil. He's not, and I know I said this in the temptation of Christ, but again, you just, you, I'm telling you, he's not sitting on a throne in hell wearing a red suit and holding a pitchfork. He's not the king of, of hell. Friend, friend, listen to this. The Bible says this, he is the prince of the power of the air. So that means this, that this is the realm at which he is primarily at work at right now. And you need to understand this. He is definitely active in and our day. What's the news? And you, listen, and you also need to know this, he is deceptive. Please listen to this. Demonic possession is not going to look like something on a horror movie portrayed by Hollywood. This man's head doesn't spin around. It doesn't do, you understand? It's not doing any, it's not, his body's not climbing up the wall or doing anything weird like that. No, 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 no. But, but he did make himself known when Jesus and his word and his power showed up. Because that's typically how the devil works. And I, you say, preacher, why? Well, what? I mean, it's kind of, you know, here, let me, let me just help you with this. I, I believe this, and I've said this publicly before. I believe this, that, that America has not seen demonic activity like this in the past, because, and primarily because of the heritage that we've had. But, but that, at the same time, that's not to say it hasn't existed back then. It certainly existed and existed in other places. But you need to also understand this, that as we've watched our country in the last 30 to 40 years spiral downward in wickedness and immorality and in the cesspool of, of evil that it is going in today. And we are anti-God and anti-Christ and we have become a paganistic people. Watch this. We are definitely seeing more and more demonic activity. Even to the point of demonic even to the point of demonic possession. You say, preacher, what is that? Well, here's, this is the way I looked at it. I'll never forget this one time, and I've shared this story before. But we were watching a, we, we were watching a, a news special, and it was actually, it was talking about some of the mass shootings and things that had been going on in America. And in this instance, this kid came to school with a shotgun, and he came in with the intention of, of killing students and teachers and things like that. 
Well, it was, on the, it was actually on the security footage. And what happened was a coach, one of the coaches saw him coming in the door. And I can't remember the exact details and everything like that, but the kid, as he came around the corner, the coach saw the gun, the rifle, or the, the shotgun, and he grabbed it and, and snatched it out of his hand and grabbed the kid. And as he snatched it, you could see it on the footage. You could see this kid that as the shotgun was taken away from him, and the coach wrapped his arms around him and held him, it, all of a sudden, it just, it, it's like this kid just came to himself. You could see it on the security footage. It, like, it was like he was being controlled by something or someone else. And then once everything was taken away from him and the coach had him, he came to himself. His eyes got real big and he realized what was taking place. He had no idea where he was or what he had been doing. And he just immediately broke down and began to weep. Now I'm just telling you, to me, here's what that looks like to me. Demonic possession. I, listen, I don't, I don't have time to go into some of the things and you, you know, when, when, when they go in and do some of this stuff and these mass shootings and things like that and how they single out people that are Christian and, and say and begin to admit their faith. I don't listen the things that have gone on in Columbine and, and stuff like that. But I'm just simply saying to you this. Don't make the mistake of going, this is Bible. This is just a story. This don't happen in our day and time. Spiritual darkness is still a very real thing. And let me also say this. I praise God that a saved person cannot be demonic possessed. You know why? Because the Holy Ghost of God resides within us. Now that does not mean, listen, that does not mean we cannot be a tool for the devil. You can still be a tool for the devil when you resist the Spirit of God in your life and you're following after your flesh. You better watch out, friend, because the devil is working in your life and he does want to use you. But praise God, he cannot possess you. Listen, this is the way I put it. This scene gives us a picture of where spiritual darkness can ultimately take a man. He becomes so filled with sin and evil that a devil, a demon, decides to make his abode within him. You know, what I thought about is this, is that really this is the end all of where things like drugs and alcohol can take a person. I don't listen. I don't think it's ironic that alcohol is also called spirits. And I'll tell you something else. You go to Revelation and you look up the Greek word for sorcery, and it's the word pharmakeia, where we get our English word pharmacy. And I'm not knocking antibiotics or any of that stuff like that, but I am saying there's some pills and things that, that doctors are putting people on that it's, listen, it's possessing them. And I, listen, and I'm telling you right now, I pastored all, uh, for 10 years in the meth capital of the world, and I have seen people on meth just like this. And you understand, friend, when you get all of that stuff in you, it controls you, and you do things and say things and go places and stuff that you don't even have any idea what you are doing. I mean, I've had guys come into my office, came in all on meth and stuff and, and seeking help, and man, they were all strung out and stuff like that, and I just had to send them packing down the road. And then two or three weeks later, come back in and go, Preacher, did I come by here a couple of weeks ago and ask for help or something? I can't, people are telling me, and I'm like, yeah, you did.
Folks, listen to me. This is the world we're living in. This is the world we're living in. Spiritual darkness is hot and heavy right now. But, but here, this, listen, this is the thing. This is not the time for you to get discouraged. This is not the time for us to sit back and go, woe is me, as if our hands are tied and we can't do nothing. Because see, the good news is this, is that there's power in the Word of God. And it has power to overcome spiritual darkness. And so what the answer is in all of this is for the man of God to be filled up with the Word of God and preaching it with power and authority. And that's when God can do a mighty work. I never forget when I surrendered to preach in July of 2002. And I was working in a big chemical plant at the time there in Pensacola, Florida. And uh, there, were, there were a couple of guys that I worked with, and, and they were twin brothers. And one was a welder, and one was a uh, pipe welder, and one was a pipe fitter. And so we all kind of fellowshiped together. And they were good Baptist guys, you know, and they went to another Baptist church in the area there and, uh, in northern Pensacola. And so, anyways, they found out I had, I had answered the call to preach, and they were like, man, you did? And I'm like, yeah. And they were like, oh, man, this is exciting. Hey, hey, we got this ministry that our church does. And one Thursday night on the month, we go down to Pensacola Waterfront Mission in downtown Pensacola, and we preach and do a service for those guys. You want to come down there and go preach and preach with us? And I went, yeah. Had no idea what I was getting into. I just, man, I just surrendered to preach. And they're like, you want to preach? Like, okay. Listen, I thought I was nervous in getting up in front of church people. You, listen, you walk down there, and I'm, I'm telling you, we're setting up and we're getting that ready to go. And he's going to do some songs and, and, and uh, they're gonna, his brother's going to sing a special. And then I'm going to get up and preach and they're going to have me up and come and preach. And I'm, and I'm watching all these people come in. There's, there's black guys coming in, some white guys coming in. And, and uh, you know, just every race, you know, uh, issue, homeless, addictions. I mean, just messes coming in the door. And I'm starting to sweat and nervous, and I'm like, all right. And I get up there, listen, I don't even remember what I preached. I just let it go. <laughs> Wide open, man. And I just flung it down, man. And I'm just preaching, I'm just ripping, I'm just nothing like, just, just like what I do right now, and I hadn't changed. Probably got a little more better. You know, you don't see things loud like, shut up, you say, hold thy peace. And no, you, I just let it rip. We gave the invitation and four guys walked the aisle and got saved. Amen. I'm standing there after the service. These two guys start walking up the aisle and want to come talk to me. And this, I, was, I got a little, I got nervous. And one of them looked like Mike Tyson. You know, as a <laughs> boxer back then. He, he, he didn't talk like Mike Tyson. You know, he's... <laughs> Sorry, that's not in my note. <laughs> so he... So these two, these twin brothers, they're like, you know, they, they lifted weights and worked out and stuff to get, so they were pretty stout. They were pretty big, solid dudes, you know, and they're kind of standing there. And so I did, I was just standing there and I, was, I saw them coming and I went. And I stood, my thinking was, it was kind of like the bear thing. If the bear starts attacking, as long as you just run out, outrun the slower guys, you'll be, you'll be the guy that gets away. That's what I was thinking. So I, I just stood by and the guy come, pushes those two guys out of the way and grabs my hand and he starts crying. And he goes, man, you don't understand. He said, we've been praying for somebody to come in here and light it up like you did. And I was like, mercy. 
You know what he was saying? They were saying this. We knew there's power in that book. We just needed somebody to preach it. Because that's where it's at. And we saw four people get saved. I'm talking about guys in their, I mean, just at their wits end. Where drugs and alcohol and the demonic wickedness of this world, where it takes a guy. And they got saved and put their faith and trust in Christ. Listen to me. That's not going to happen by entertainment. And that's not going to happen with ritualism. But when a guy gets filled up with the Word of God and preaches it with boldness and power, and the Holy Ghost of God takes the Word of God and begins to do a work in the hearts and lives of men and sets them free from their addiction and their sin and gives them forgiveness and eternal life. So here's what that says to me, and I'm through. Everybody's awake, so you passed your deal. Don't, now, don't fall asleep now. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's what that says to me. I think it says to me that as Faith Baptist Church, this ought to remain the center of our services. Amen. 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 There's a reason why our music is the way that it is. Amen. It's because that's what the Bible says. But there's also a reason why everything points to the preaching of the Word of God because it's not how special the pastor is. He's not special. It's how precious this book is. And that's where the power of God is at. And if we're going to see people set free from their spiritual darkness, it needs to be the very center of our services. And I'm thanking God that it is, and I want it to stay that way. Now look up here. Now listen. Here's the second thing. If the Word of God is this powerful... And it has the power to overcome spiritual darkness. And please catch this. I'm not the only one that needs to be filled up with His power and preaching His Word. You do too. You might be here this morning and in in that spiritual darkness. Listen to me. It still works. Well, preacher, you know, I just need this 12-step program or what. No, 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 no. You just need to humble yourself and get right with God and get saved. But you need to listen to this. I'm not the only one that needs this power. You need it. Because there are people around you that need to hear it. That need to be confronted with the gospel. There are people that need to see the power of God in your life and working through your life. And there are people that you, you, only you talk to that I will never, listen, I'll never meet in my, maybe in my lifetime. And you, they, they need to see that. But I think here's the last thing. We need to see the power of God working in our own lives. And that means this, we're going to have to open up our hearts. This, this is what I thought about. This is exactly what happened to me when I, got, when I was lost. No, nobody, it was no entertainment. There was no nothing. You know what somebody did? Somebody sat me down with the Bible and said, this is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus did. This is, he died on the cross for your sin. He was buried for three days and he rose again. And I started reading 1 Corinthians 15 and the testimony of his resurrection. And here, here's what the Bible says. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And I opened up my heart and I called on Jesus and I got saved. Listen, listen to me. That book is powerful but it's only going to be powerful in your life if you open up your heart to it. And here's the other thing. After I got saved, I, got, I called on the Lord and I got saved that night. And, and praise God. 
And, and I'm telling you, you can be saved this morning. That's all you got to do. Open up your heart and just do what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. You just got to get on your face and call out to Jesus Christ to be saved. And He'll save you right where you're at. He'll forgive you of all your sin. But here's the other thing, is that after I got saved, you know what I did? I kept going to church. Why? Because that's where the preaching of God's Word was at. I got, I got baptized and I, started, I became part of that church. I became committed. And I started coming Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. You know what else I started doing? I started reading my Bible at night before I was going to bed. Then I started reading in the morning when I got up. You know what else was crazy? Was we had this, this independent Baptist church in the area that they bought a radio station. So this was back before like podcasts and all this other crazy and online stuff and all this. This was before the internet. Well, I think they did have the internet, but it went... Anyway. They bought an FM radio station. You know what they did? They played preaching 24-7. So you know what I started listening to? Filled up my life with the preaching. I can remember driving to work, man. I, you know, I got my welding stuff on my shirt, on my car hearts and all this stuff. You know, driving in my big extended, you know, uh, quad cab Dodge, you know, full, jacked up. Man, I'm crying like a baby listening to all that preaching. Got to pull off the side of the road because I can't even see where I'm going. You know why? Because the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God. You want to know why you're sitting in a place like this where there's preaching but you're powerless? It's because you ain't opened up your heart. And let the Word of God do a work. But I tell you, you find a spot on an old-fashioned altar this morning and humble yourself and go, oh God, I need it. And I'm opening up my heart to you. Tell you what, about six months from now, you'll be coming up going, man, preacher, what a word is this. Exactly. Let's all stand.